Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name is Kave. I hope <laughs> I'm saying that correctly. Um, today, we're talking about movies. Movies, baby. We're going to talk about medicine in movies. And I have two, and, and I say this, I literally say this every time, but I really mean it this time. I have two special guests. I have Dr. Will Flannery. You might know him as Dr. Glockenflecken. Will, how are you? I'm great. Um, I no, really enjoyed watching these movies. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Can okay for because I have to say actually you're insanely popular on the interwebs, but a good portion of our listeners are old people who don't actually spend that much time on the interwebs. How would you describe like what you do to people who don't know you already from the internet? I um I spend a, a significant amount of my time every week dressing up as different specialties in medicine, uh recording myself. And posting the videos on social media, particularly TikTok. And yes, I am 36 years old doing this. <laughs> that, that pretty much covers it. I, I am an emergency doctor or a or neurologist or a pediatrician. And sometimes I wear things that I find in my children's dress-up wardrobe. It's it's very accurate and somehow incredibly reductive at the same time because <laughs> you're exactly right. That is what you do. But at the same time, you are creating these really great satires about modern medicine. And um, that's one of the reasons why I think you'd be really appropriate <laughs> for this episode. So anyway, if you haven't already, we'll get to the plugs at the end, but you got to check out Dr. Glockenflecken or Will uh, if you haven't already. Also joining us. Oh, my gosh. This is such a pleasure for me. It's the second time on the show. Michael Weber screenwriter of some of my favorite movies including the disaster artist which is literally one of the greatest movies i've ever seen and 500 days of summer the baltimore stars a bunch of stuff i won't go into all the listing michael thank you so much for coming on the show as well ah i'm excited to be back this is fun thank you for having me again oh my god it's good to talk to you guys about this so i think um i'm not gonna go into like like 
description about why we need to talk about medicine in movies. I think uh, we can just do it for fun. But I do think it is important. I think medicine in movies plays a big part in people deciding to go to medical school. I think it, you know, we all come from the same world that non-doctors do. We're exposed to the same films. That sort of stuff really does influence us. I think you talk to every doctor, there's some TV show or there's some movie that they watched when they were younger that really influenced them and had a big part in their, wouldn't you say, Will, like, don't you say like movies, television had a, had something to do with your decision to going into medicine? Yeah, I, I, I would say so. Um, I, I, I grew up watching ER, you know, and yeah. that's that was a, a, a big influence on me. I will say that I think I hope that the nobody chose to go into medicine based on the movies we're watching or uh, we're talking about today. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree in, in general. <laughs> in general. And, and Michael, don't you think that like the non-doctor population, most of their knowledge of or what they think at least medicine is and hospitals are like, comes from TV and movies? Well, I, I could say for me personally, seeing Little Shop of Horrors as a kid is why I didn't go into medicine. Um, or dentistry, he was I, a dentist. He was a dentist, but yeah. that combined with Marathon Man, I was like, all right, well, I'm, uh. I'm not doing that for a living. That is uh, gonna is find something else safe? to do. Is it safe? Um, okay, so we're gonna talk about two movies. You each brought a movie to the table today. Um, really, interesting in their contrast to each other, but there are some similarities, which is really what's fun. I think we should start with the movie you picked, Michael, um, The Hospital, or as I'm assuming they call it in England, Hospital. So this is a 1971, do you like that? That was, that was a little jab at the English. 1971 movie with George C. Scott, Diana Riggs. By the way, Diana Riggs, you guys know where you've seen her? I'm sure Michael does, but Will, do you know who the main actress in this movie was? No, I do not. You watch? Did you ever watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. Remember the old lady who was like, "I want you to tell your tell Cersei it was me that killed Joffrey." Yeah, yeah That's yeah. her. It was her. Oh, really? The, the, <laughs> the Queen of Roses or Thorns or whatever. Her oh name man! Was. Wow. Okay. This was her first uh, American film, actually. Oh, interesting. You know, they made a big deal of it being written by Patty Chayefsky. Uh, Michael, is that uh, is that writer of note? The, the that is that is a very big deal. Uh, an argument can be made that uh, few people ever did it better than Patty Chayefsky. Uh, he this this screenplay for the hospital uh, uh, won him an Oscar for best original screenplay. Um, he's actually the only person to win three solo Oscars for screenwriting uh, mm -hmm. for Marty, the hospital. And network, and not that by the way, the Oscars are the be all end all. But I will say something uh, um, to, to uh, tell you a little about his his stature. When you see this movie, I mean, it, it literally says on screen, "The Hospital" by Patty Chayefsky, not screenplay by, not uh, written by, right, not. Right, right, and right. and I mean, you just you go find the poster. Uh, I mean, he gets top billing. That mm -hmm. that does not happen that that certainly doesn't happen now it did not happen then i mean he is wow. Uh, uh, wow. on the the mount rushmore of screenwriting wow it, it's interesting too because the, the director was like a famous director too right arthur hiller like he was like known for other things right he was and actually he and and patty chayefsky had worked together before uh, and arthur hiller was a terrific director but i i think um uh you know a, a uh, a Paddy Chayefsky movie is a Paddy Chayefsky movie. I mean, it's, mm -hmm, it is, mm -hmm, th mm -hmm. there are these 
hallmarks. I mean, if you've you've seen this movie and if you've seen Network, you kind of see some of the the, the similar vibe, a similar yeah. um, um, you know, there's a, a controlled chaos to what's going on that I love and uh, um, a depth and a richness and intelligence. This is a person who made you know really uh, um, movies for adults. We we don't have enough of them nowadays. Um, but yeah, just just a, a brilliant writer, also a brilliant playwright. Um, I, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough, like, um, you know, the, the the unique talent he was. You know, it's so funny you say that too, because I was watching that movie, and it's so funny the language, just the vocabulary that they used is so different than the vocabulary we use. They use words such highfalutin words, like <laughs> the first sentence of the movie that uses the word axiomatic, and and I'm like fast fast forward to like today's movies like Shaun of the Dead. They had like a whole bit about no one knowing what the word exacerbation meant. You know what I mean? It's like it's crazy. The language themselves are using was like on such a different level. What what happened? Funny enough, that that narration that opens the film, that's voiced by Patty Chayefsky. Uh-huh. So he wrote uh-huh. this movie, he produced this movie, uh, and he does the the narration. And when I say he produced this movie, I, I don't. I'm sure he was on set every day and and kind of you know at the director's hip. But but uh, you know, the the stories about the making of this movie and his other films, for example, um, Walter Matthau and Burt Lancaster both wanted to play the lead role of Dr. Bach. Mm. Um, and Patty Shaevsky said, no, it, it's George C. Scott. And Jane Fonda and Candace Bergen both wanted to play Barbara Drummond. And uh, Chayefsky, who had, had casting approval, said, no, um, you know, that's, that's you know, not who he wanted for, for the, um, uh, he wanted Diana Rigg. As a screenwriter, does that just fucking, does that seem like the, I mean, is that like the <laughs> ultimate goal? I mean, do you, <laughs> like, does that be that authority? Um, <laughs> well, you know, early on when my career was starting, it was, um, I was very lucky um, that directors uh, would often bounce ideas off of my writing partner, Scott Neustadter and I, asking us what we thought. We didn't, we didn't have a say but our, our feedback was sought out. And already, I guess, I think that doesn't happen all the time. Um, as we've been lucky enough to make more movies and now uh, produce a lot of our movies, we have a larger voice in the casting that we mm-hmm. did not have. Um, but to the extent that like Patty Chayefsky had casting approval, that doesn't happen for screenwriters. That, that yeah. just, that never happens. Right. Well, you deserve it, my friend. All right, let's uh, talk about this insane not so really ungovernable movie called the hospital so i'll i'll see if i can give you guys the basic idea of it again i do recommend watching it we're going to get to what i think is one pretty problematic component to the movie but we are going to talk about why i think you should watch it and it opens with this really busy hectic emergency room a nursing home patient comes in he's drastically and grossly mistreated and in a, and given the wrong treatment and he dies leading to an open bed in the hospital in which one of the interns jumps into that bed and has sex with his girlfriend and then that intern is killed and then the movie gets even crazier from there so it's really a wild wild movie and i i want to i guess i guess i want to start by asking 
you but i would almost i would i would i don't want to i don't want to um reroute this but i would almost argue you know there's that there's that thread in the movie that you're describing and then there's also george c scott as dr bach who's this sort of um his whole life is medicine his his self-worth comes from being uh, uh an accomplished doctor but at the same time he his marriage of nearly a quarter century is over he's having a more than a midlife crisis here i mean he's been um uh, contemplating ways to commit suicide he is not on speaking terms with his children he is living in a dingy hotel i mean it's the hospital is his whole world but at the same time uh it seems like his life is falling apart um and and i i think um th- that's as important a thread as the sort of uh thriller murder mystery angle in, in this film I would say it's almost more, don't you think? Like, I feel like the whole, like, murder, like, questionable in, in the movie, again, you should watch it. But if you haven't, there is, like, this uh, two doctors and a nurse um, die through very mysterious circumstances. But that does feel sort of like an afterthought almost. It feels like the more important story is, like, the story of the hospital itself and this one doctor who who makes it his whole life, played by George C. Scott, the guy who played Patton. And holy hell, he's so fucking good in this movie. He's yeah. so, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even know. Honestly, I never even watched Patton and I don't think I've ever even watched anything he's in, but he's fucking amazing in it. He's great. I'm so glad you you, you enjoyed the performance. So he's coming off of winning the Oscar for Patton uh, for Best Actor. And he was nominated uh, for this film for Best Actor as well. I, I, I highly recommend go watch Patton. It's, it's, um, while I find some of the politics of Patton a little questionable, it is <laughs> such a brilliant it is such a brilliant movie. Um, uh, Patton is written by Francis Ford Coppola. Um, it is an incredible film. But anyway, this this movie, The Hospital, he's uh, uh, as brilliant and really carries it. I, I mean, it's just and I think um, this this uh, balance within the movie where it is a drama but also a satire where there is. Um, uh, um, there are tonal shifts in tone throughout the movie, and 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 in some cases, a rather uh, sharp mm-hmm. shift in tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the the reason it works, obviously, the, is the, the sparkling uh, writing, but it works because George C. Scott pulls it off. Right, that he can kind of um, have those sort of dramatic chops in one scene, and then be like very darkly funny in the same scene. Will, were you like me? Had you not heard? I had never heard of this movie before. No. Mark, you mentioned it. Yeah, oh, cool. I, I never heard of this. This is brand new. I, I didn't know what I was getting into with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, it just, what what struck me was what you guys are just kind of talking about is like this, you had this, this uh, very serious situation going on with this Dr. Bach with his, you know, suicidal thoughts, depressed just at the end of his rope. And then in the background is just the most the most poorly run hospital uh, that's they they must have just a a I don't know twenty thirty lawsuits going on probably behind the surface I I don't even know it's just like I th- th- this this hospital is just outrageous and so it just provides this backdrop that really you know frames his his descent into uh, with his you know mental health decline and it's just it's it was awesome i love this movie oh cool that makes me so happy oh my god i'm so glad you guys responded to it in this way it's really um because it 
it is darkly funny, but also grim oh, yeah. at times. I mean, it really, you know, um, it is about this doctor. It is also just about the, the um, you know, uh, uh, an institution, this hospital, uh, public health that is decaying. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a darkness to this film on a lot of levels. And yet I love it, too. Let me ask you guys, what are the the standout scenes for you guys in this movie? I, well, I think one one thing, the relationships are interesting to see, and it's it's like very of kind of old school inappropriate medicine, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you get you really get this feel of like the this paternalistic, you know, doctors talking down to everyone. They're never at fault. It's always somebody else's fault, mm-hmm. and uh, and you get just some of the dialogue from from. George C. Scott, the, the it's just like this. What, I was I I, I was oh wondering what you guys thought when he yells at. So he's yelling at Nancy Marchand, who a lot of you guys, everyone would know mostly from The Sopranos. That's Tony Soprano's mom, and he is yelling. Always seen, and he yells at her. Where do you train your nurses, Dachau? Yes. And it's like that's a fucking crazy line. <laughs> that was I wrote that down. That that line is outrageous. And my God, the incompetence is absolutely radiant. <laughs> I, I can't wait to use that line at some point. I mean, there's a lot of weird nostalgia in this movie, like for Will and I, I think, it, kind of in a weird way, nostalgia for something we never really truly experienced. Mm-hmm. Like one, there's something about seeing all this old hospital stuff and all this old equipment and and the very old fashioned ways of, of, of practicing medicine, which had already changed by the way that Will and I had gotten into medicine. But still, I think it makes me a little bit nostalgic. Like, oh man, that was like, that was like, you always think back to your residency, your internship where you worked your hardest. And when you were there, it was fucking miserable. But later on, you look at it with rose colored glasses and you're kind of like, oh, that's where I met some of like my best friends. That's where I had some of the most intense experiences where I really felt I was saving somebody at one point, you know, like you really like there's so much of that. And and like that interaction with like the nurses would never happen today. No, I mean, that would never. And it shouldn't. I mean, it's a really inappropriate interaction. I mean, equally, the nurses were as bad as the doctors. Everyone was awful in this hospital. But like, Do you notice the runner, and, and I, I recommend, by the way, if you guys enjoyed this movie, it's actually a really fun movie to rewatch because once you're not watching it as much for the thriller plot to, to un, and, and, and you already know that and, and you watch it again, it is so rich in detail. There's a fun little runner that the nurses are constantly asking each other, what do you mean? What do you mean? They're, they're, <laughs> it, it's in multiple scenes where they just, it's like, it's as if everybody in the hospital is speaking a different language to each other. Yeah, I, I had to go back and like rewatch as I was watching it. I I, re, I had to rewind it every now and then to like wait. I, I feel like I didn't quite you know hear or get everything that I wanted to get out of that scene. And so I and it was so good. There's so much dialogue there, and uh, and like uh, uh, Kava was saying, the um, the language is, is just uh, very. Um, it's fun to listen to, but also sometimes hard to like what exactly were they trying to say here um and 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 uh in some of the 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 language they were using but it was just um very very rich and uh i don't know where they got their vocab they must have all been very highly trained at that hospital because i agree the uh 
the vocabulary was well, out of this world. That leads me to a question I wanted to ask you guys, because obviously I think um, there are there are aspects that, of course, have aged poorly in 50 years because medicine yeah. evolves. But um, putting aside the the thriller plot mm-hmm. subplot, yeah. um, what what did you guys think about the medicine in it? Like, I, I was sort of curious, like, like when they're, yeah. when Dr. Bach is doing those sort of rounds and mm-hmm. has that meet and pardon me, obviously I might get all the terminology wrong, but when he's having that sort of powwow with the, with the wipe off board and, and talking about those couple of cases. And I was like, Ooh, that's a lot of doctors. That seems like, cause all I know is ER and scrubs and St. Right. Elsewhere. And yeah. like, I'm like, yeah. that's a big group of doctors. He's like showing around and talking about the patients. Like I, I just, there were so many moments where I was excited to hear when they were talking about um, morbid menopause, another moment where I'm like, is that a thing? Like, I just, I kept <laughs> wanting to like, I've I never kept, heard that or, before or, in my life. Or committing suicide with potassium, like all that stuff. Yeah. I was just like, oh man, I can't wait to hear what Kaveh and Will like yeah. think of the medicine specifically or, or just the, all, how all that stuff is portrayed. Well, well, from what I remember from rounds, which, you know, granted, I'm an ophthalmologist, like I, I'm afraid of hospitals. And so uh, <laughs> I, I don't spend a lot of time there. But from what I remember, that scene, uh, it was, a, it seemed like there were a few too many doctors, because that was, I think that was supposed to be like, rounds, there, there was some yeah. kind of, you know, like pre rounds where you, you, you get together as a team, and you talk about things you do like a, I love the, the chalkboard presentation, because we, we still do that. Like yeah. the, now it's the whiteboard and, you know, everyone loves whiteboard presentations to draw stuff and diagrams yeah. and things. But, uh, that was a lot of white coats in that room. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it, I've seen that many, like in a, like in the flow of a work day. That's that, a lot. That, that's true. I mean, there are always times when the top doctor in the squad, so to speak, the attending will take his whole team of residents and interns all the different people in that particular group, which can range from like three to like six. And he'll take them on rounds or she will take them on rounds and they'll go around and see people. But that, that, that hugeness of that group, like roving around the hospital, isn't, that's not really something that happens anymore. But the morning report sort of thing where you're sitting around and attending, sitting in, in front of a chalkboard and in front of a board, like writing things out, having people go over things together, that really that felt very real to me. And like, I was a um, internal medicine doctor before I became a specialist and I was a chief resident um, before I became a specialist. So that was my job to sort of do that. And so it really, I mean, I, I connected to that and the gentleness of his teaching. I loved, I, I connected mm. to that really deeply. Mm. Like I, the way he taught, he was so like caring and sweet and fatherly about it. That's like the kind of person you always want to be your teacher when you're in medicine. I noticed that too, because a trope you see a lot in like scrubs and other like, you know, medical, uh, you know, content is the, the attending, whoever's the boss, they're always, they're talking down to the residents and the med Mm -hmm. students. They're just mean and, you know, making the, they making the, the, the trainees, you know, feel like shit, you know, and, and I got, I just got the sense in all like, not even just in that scene, but all the interactions that Bach, Dr. Bach had with, uh, with all the, you know, the guy, the the whoever it was, intern resident who came in a, to talk about um, the guy that had uh, the, the, Mr. Drummond that had the yeah. um, uh, the kidney uh, uh, surgery, 
and just their interaction it was just it was very collegial i was surprised it's like wow they're they're like actually kind of trying to work together and like you know try yeah, to figure yeah, out yeah. what's going on right, there right. wasn't that down talk and that uh kind of um uh, that kind of dynamic that you normally see yeah I one of my favorite characters one of my uh, favorite characters who's who's very hateable and I, I was excited to sort of ask you guys if you recognize this type of doctor was Dr. Welbeck, who's played by Richard Dysart, that people might, people would, people would remember him from LA Law, mm-hmm. um, if you look mm-hmm. him up, but <laughs> he plays, he plays Dr. Welbeck. And I'm, I'm not, Kaveh, I'm going to turn this over to you because I'm not going to describe this well, but he's sort of, um, he's more concerned with like seeing as many patients as he can and like billing and kind of like, um, like what he's doing with his money and being right. a corporation and like yeah. it, there's no integrity in terms of um, right. medicine or treating patients. And he, I, I feel like I'm not even describing this well. Like it, he, he is, is a, like, a, he's a hack surgeon and he's kind of a piece of shit and he's clearly like in it to make as much money as he can. He doesn't really care about the patients. I will say this. Um, is that like a real, if the question is, is that like a real doctor type that we see? Yes, but in a much more subtle way. Um, I would say actually the movie that did a better job, and we'll get to it, is Doc Hollywood. Yes. The the doctor at the end that he's supposed to work with does this whole like, well, you know, we yes, of course we do a lot of this cosmetic surgery that doesn't need mm-hmm. to be done, and we charge a lot of money, but it's for that one percent of cases that mean something. That cleft palate that we fix, you know, that that they keep talking, they hit those like points, those like they hammer those points home because they want to like prove that they're not pieces of shit. But like, there's more subtle about it in that way, and even that was kind of a gross. Right, you, know, it, you, know, you could just, tell in in the hospital, like the Richard Dysart character. I mean, that is like deeply satirical. It yeah. feels like he goes yeah, yeah. far with it, but it's still. I you asked before, like my, our favorite scenes, the scene where Doctor Bach, George C. Scott, kind of dresses him down and like mm. gives him a piece of his mind yeah. is awesome. And 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 there's some of that in Patton. There's there's some of that in a lot of George C. Scott movies. Like George C. Scott yelling at someone is never not awesome so fucking and intense. in that scene where he's yelling at that yeah. hacky doctor is incredible dr welbeck would have quit clinical medicine a long time ago totally in reality <laughs> if that was today like he the guy owns like you know the hospitals and it's obviously doing very well from a business standpoint man he would have been out of clinical medicine oh, yeah. so fast yeah. there's no he would, way he'd he, still be operating he would have been into cryptocurrency like immediately oh, yeah. that guy like absolutely um you know my favorite scene the scene that really impacted me the most is also kind of then because it's a long scene it kind of transitions into what i think is the more problematic component of the movie but until that it is amazing this intense scene where george c scott this really obviously clinically depressed physician who does love the hospital and teaching and and helping people but is like really a a broken guy is having this one-on-one interaction with this this woman who's come into his life this really beautiful seductive intelligent like hip lsd dropping woman from the 60s and they are just sitting around drinking together in his office and he's like just getting drunk and you can see it on his face in the most perfect way. That's like that sweaty drunk, like where he's just like listening to her like talk and he's like getting loaded, but he is, you see it in his face. You see him like really enamored by this person at the same time. And he goes into this monologue about why you should be proud of being impotent. I'm like, what? That's 
that's amazing. Who came up with this? Like, <laughs> like who wrote that? That's amazing. Like he's like, impotent is beautiful, baby. Like I'm like, I've never heard that in a movie. That is so like, amazing. It was so wild. A lot of and talk about impotence. A lot yeah. of it. But like, yeah. but that was like, a, I think. Well, you're, keep in mind, guys, also, you know, 1971. So it's the early 70s now uh, uh, coming out of the the free love of the 60s. You know, I, I think also a lot of that probably was even more shocking in 1971 right. than it is to you guys now. It, it, it's really is shocking because I mean, like you never like it's funny. That's one thing in movies they don't talk about. Like they talk about it in this movie and in MASH. Remember in the movie yes. MASH? That's like the reason the big guy is going to commit suicide because he can't fuck anymore. And like that's like the whole reason that song Suicide is Painless, which is like the, the main theme of MASH, is like there. It's so wild that that came at that time too. Anyways, so that scene is just so intense and so well acted. I just, I mean, I've never heard dialogue like that and I've never seen George C. Scott play. And it's just, it was a real joy to watch. Unfortunately, it goes into something that's kind of problematic, which is then he essentially rapes her. I mean, I don't want to say essentially, he rapes her. And then like, she falls in love with him and then she's kind of in love with him to, be, to begin with. And that's something that did not age well, I, I think. I think that's one that is gonna that that's gonna yeah. be hard for I think today's viewers to watch. I mean, and I don't know what to say about that other than, you know, um, there's a lot in this movie that is amazing. And it was written at a time that was sort of different in that way. I mean, not to excuse it, but like outside of that part of the scene, it's a really remarkable and impactful moment in the movie. Yeah, that that whole storyline um, where he gets, you know, with her and they talk about running off together and stuff. I don't know. I just didn't. That lost you? Yeah, it, it, it just kind of seemed out of left field. Maybe, uh, you know, in the 70s, it made more sense. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I felt like uh, that could have been done differently. Obviously, so the, I, I do think I, that, I do think I, I, I do think it works on a level of. If she recognizes that this man is sort of at the end of his rope like i, I mean putting aside yes it's very sudden this sort of i love you and, mm -hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff but but the idea that this guy who is about to maybe kill himself and and doesn't have much to live for might be someone who would suddenly do something that rash as to kind of run off to mexico with someone he just met a day ago I don't know. I, hmm. I like it, it, it. Yes. Like the it, it's, it's nothing any of us would ever consider or even understand, but at the same time, the movie does a really great job of portraying just how adrift this man is and how, yeah. I mean, he's just like, like trying to find something to, to, to mm -hmm. hold on to. And, and so, you know, on a certain level, um, you know, if he, had his shit together more i don't think they end up having the connection they have in the right. movie right. Nor, nor do i think she suggests something like that to someone who has their shit together like it so yes it yeah. is very sudden but at the same time also like here's a guy who's just like i mean literally like yeah you, i mean he's, well, I, I mean wants to kill himself no, so yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's he's literally about to kill himself when this woman comes into his office and is like, don't do that. Let's hang out. 
and like you know their their relationship. I'd also I was going to say, and, I, and I'm curious what you guys think about this, but he is yelling, "We cure nothing. Yeah. We heal nothing." So here's this thing: the only thing he ever truly loved and cared about that gives him this self worth, and even that is giving him nothing. He he's finding it empty. And part of, you know, it's funny, we're, we're being a little, um, we're only looking at it through like a, a sort of rushed romantic lens of run off with me to, to Mexico. But part of her offer is we need doctors, real doctors who know what they're doing right, there. Right. Yeah. There is also a little bit of um, this idea that like going to that remote place and, and, you will rediscover your passion for medicine. Yeah. And again, I agree. It's all very rushed and it's very sudden, but there, there, it does work on multiple levels. And to me, isn't just like a romantic gesture. You know, actually, I'll say this. Like, I get that. Like, he's at a point, just like you're saying, he's at a point in his life where this guy is broken. He meets this person that inspires him and makes him feel passionate again. And he's like, you know what? I was just about to kill myself. Fuck it. I mean, going to Mexico seems reasonable. And he decides to go with her. That's not the part that throws me as much. I feel like in the movie, the part where the tone shifts then again is when you find out the person that's been perpetrating all these, the, these murders essentially that look maybe like accidents is actually this woman's father who had been there in the hospital spoiler alert sick. you gotta you're gonna have to oh, insert a spoiler you're, you're uh, absolutely you... right this is a nice i think we're okay <laughs> you're right you're right also <laughs> in the sixth sense bruce willis is dead anyway so i totally agree um there it's it, it's that was a part for me when he like says, I'm the, the wrath, I'm the wrath of God. This, this like crazy guy who's maybe not crazy, maybe really is in touch with the higher spirit. It's not really clear. Her father is really the one that's been uh, doing all these murders to get back at all these really awful doctors and nurses who have not been taking care of patients. Wait, you left out an important detail though. Yeah. Her father, a former doctor. Is that, I didn't know that he was a doctor in Boston and oh, then sort of funny. threw it all away to go to Mexico and then sort of lost oh. his mind. And then, so, so oh. there, it, it's interesting that he that makes more was a doctor sense. who kind of lost his way. Um, but, but I look, wait, that makes a lot more sense. Cause I was wondering how he knew everything. I was like, how does this like yeah, patient who's just kind of crazy seem to understand how all these people in medicine had wronged him and were hurting patients in the hospital enough to then exact revenge on them. Now that I know he was a doctor as well, that changes a lot. Oh yeah, that totally but makes I'm gonna, sense. But I'm gonna defend this on another level because I it's funny, I, I see the criticism of the tonal shifts and I see the criticism of that sort of plot twist about who the, that these weren't accidents because for yeah. a while you think, oh, maybe it might be murder, it might be an accident. Right, right. That, that, that there, there's something going on here, um, oh. and I think the criticism of those of those things, in some ways, it, it misses the point of the movie because um, this is about the the decay of this institution, and I think the the this murder plot is the vehicle for right. that commentary, and in some ways. Um, especially for people in the audience who who maybe have never seen this movie, um, it reminds me of the criticism of the final season of The Wire, 
Mm. And if you remember the last season of The Wire, which is largely about the newspaper mm-hmm. and McNulty and the fake serial killer, and people kind of, I remember a lot of people came, ah, oh, see the final season, season five wasn't as good as season three and four with the school and the politics. And, and, and maybe it's not, but I, I still think there was a brilliance to that last season of The Wire because the, the whole thing um, at the same time was a vehicle for, for a story about this um, decaying institution of this, of this um, that sort of everybody's missing the story of what's really going on in this city. Right. Um, and I, and I think um, a similar thing is, is, was attempted with the hospital. That's what, that's one of the things I love the most about this movie is that commentary about, about the hospital, but also the just healthcare in general. And there are two things that really jumped out to me. One is, is that the suicide scene and his rant where he starts screaming and, uh, you know, saying things like, you know, we can clone people like carrots, but half the kids in the ghetto aren't inoculated against polio. And it, it's, it's just highlighting the, the fact that in our ivory towers in this country, you know, we can have all the technology in the world to do all these incredible things. But then at a basic level, people aren't getting the health care they need. And like that's that's still a, a, a big problem in a lot of areas of, in, in our healthcare system. And so I, I love that. I love that that and, and then the, the hospital buying up the the um, uh, the, the property, the, the housing and, and kicking people to the streets only to you know say they're going to turn this into like a drug rehab center. But, you know, they're right. putting these people out, you know, on the street and taking their homes away from them. Um, uh, all of that, I think, is, was great. And also, uh, <laughs> I think my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes was the administrator yes. going around asking people for their Blue Cross number. I love that. Oh do, you my remember, God. do you remember what she calls herself in that scene? So I should, I should point out, that's Frances Sternhagen, who, who, by the way, is also in Doc Hollywood. Right. We'll get to that. There's, there's two actors who are- I, Oh, movies, dang but, it. I wanted uh, to- what was I, so, Why was I thinking I could surprise you with that? Come on, I, that come was on. dumb. I'm come sorry. On. This I'm is sorry. my business. I'm sorry. Um, but she, do you remember what she calls herself in that- in that scene where like she's she's like sort of hounding everyone for their yeah, insurance card she says i'm just the bitch from accounting <laughs> which is amazing yeah you you it's oh, actually Lord. kind of amazing because you almost feel for her at this point because you know in reality it's so bureaucratic that there's nobody who's actually caring enough about their job even if it's not a job that you want or would like you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's something really amazing about that character uh and then, then that character drives it home because I think her last thing that we see her do is say, you know, who here is number 83052 or something, whatever it is. <laughs> yep, yep. It's like, like, like just driving home, like, okay, you know, this is to a whole part of the healthcare system, you know, patients are not patients, they're numbers and they're, you Ooh. know, uh, a policy. And, and so I, I just, I thought that was brilliantly done. That was great. It is a, okay. It's a, it's a, Fucking great movie! Thank you, Michael, for oh, I'm so glad you guys like it. Wait, so fun. I want to just mention the other actor yeah, who's in both movies because there's an interesting, a couple of interesting things about him is uh, Barnard Hughes. So Barnard Hughes plays Drummond, the the father, the um, uh, Diana Riggs' father, the one who ends up again. Spoiler, um, mm-hmm. that that that's Barnard Hughes. But funny enough, Barnard Hughes plays a second role in this movie. He mm-hmm. plays the doctor who performs the hysterectomy on the wrong patient. Right. So he mm-hmm. actually has two roles in this movie. 
Um, and then he plays the the crusty Dr. Hogue in Doc Hollywood. You know, uh, I, and, I was wondering, did they do that on purpose? Did they have him play the the doctor on was there was that just because they ran out of actors like like or was that something they were trying to say about the movie they were trying to make you think I, was there some connection there why did they i don't do know that? i mean by the way he looks quite different i mean he's wearing um a, a, a like a wig and, yeah, and facial, facial hair, hair. like he, he looks quite different as the hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The doctor perform, um, uh, Dr. Mallory. Yeah, yeah. Um, but funny enough, in his career, Barnard Hughes played a doctor more than a dozen times. So like this is, you know, <laughs> he got this it, was he his bread it. and butter. <laughs> yeah, right. Did you guys catch Stalker Channing of Greece fame in this movie? She has like one yes, line as a blink PR and you miss her. Like oh, it's really? super wild. Okay, I, uh, overall... I'll just throw in. I'll just throw in two more quick things. Also, so uh, the cinematographer of the hospital is the legendary, legendary Michael Chapman, uh, who was also the cinematographer for Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, The Fugitive, wow. and so many other great movies. And it's one of the reasons why, like the the look of this film, uh, just just you know, there's there's a grittiness, but it yeah. just looks there's awesome. also these I mean, you just great. You feel it. There's these great long shots, like the the scene where he's like having the discussion with her, that scene I talked about that I really like. There's like two or three shots in that, like was just long shots of him rambling and talking and then going and like going to the window and yelling out the window. Really beautiful stuff. Really, uh, I mean, just a, a interesting movie to look at. Okay. All right, Michael Chapman was a legend. Would, we, you, we, would, would either of you uh, describe yourself as the paraclete of Kaborka? <laughs> <laughs> what what does that mean? I, Neither of us is Christian no enough idea. to understand that. Okay, <laughs> if if we have some Bible scholars that can tell us what Please. the Paraclete of Bavorka, what was it? Kaborka, Kaborka the Paraclete is. of Kaborka. All right, we we got to move on to the next movie. Okay, uh, Will, you picked Doc Hollywood. It's a really interesting shift from the first movie. Can you tell me why you, you picked that movie? Well, I'm glad I ended up picking this because I picked it before I knew we were doing the hospital as well, which has there's so much to the, the hospital and, and and the messages and everything. And Doc Hollywood is very much a uh, right. Uh, you know, it's a it's a rom com. It's a uh, it's it's lighthearted. It's it's fun. The reason I chose it because I had seen it a long time ago, and um, and so it'd been I'd even forgotten about it. But lately, I've been I've put out a few videos on my social media channel about rural medicine 
and um, uh, the, this rural medicine doctor and kind of the, the idiosyncrasies of practicing in a rural setting with farmers and everything. And I got so many comments from people talking about Doc Hollywood. And I was, I was like, oh, man, I've totally forgot that, that movie existed. And so uh, it's been in my mind lately to, to, to rewatch it. And uh, so that's why I chose it. Also, I love Michael J. Fox uh, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he's he is he is like always Marty McFly in like every <laughs> single movie that he does. And uh, <laughs> you, you, I, you can tell, like, at some point he decided he was trying hard to, like, buck that, like, you know, yeah. he wanted to do some different stuff. And this is one movie where he does something different, but it actually works. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. I, but I, does he? By the way, I don't know if he was trying to buck bucket because, in a way, there are so many nods to Back to the Future throughout this movie, right. like the car mm-hmm. plowing into the fence, the kid yeah, on yeah. the skateboard, skateboard. Yep. the right. when um, uh, Woody Harrelson says, "Are you too chicken?" Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I heard like that. that. I, just, I was thinking that. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. There's so like get... a lot of like Michael J. Fox had the star power to be like, "Hey, cut that shit out. I don't want any Back to the Future nods in here." And this movie's chock full of them. So I, I don't know. Maybe he loved it. I think it's smart. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like yeah, people love Back to the Future, and I loved it. Oh and, yeah. Uh, that's probably why I saw this movie originally in the first place. Is because yeah. because of Me that. Me too. Um, you... Yeah. So why don't, you, why don't you tell us about? You want to tell us yeah. about? You know, I'll, I'll give the breakdown of the movie. Yeah. So basically this, it's kind of confusing because there's a doctor who's working in the ER, but he's a surgery resident. So it doesn't, that's not really quite that clear. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll talk about that. <laughs> okay, please do. And then he's like going to go for this big job interview in Hollywood with this doctor who there is work, works with stars, works in this very lucrative private practice, um, plastic surgery industry. People are kind of giving him a hard time for being a sellout, but he's like, I'm going to go do this. On the way to this interview, he's not paying attention. I mean, this is before cell phones, but like if he had had a cell phone, he would have been looking at his iPhone. In fact, in this they, and for this movie, they have him like fiddling with the radio, which doesn't make that much sense. Anyways, he doesn't pay attention to the road. There's cows in the road. He crashes into this field and mows down this, this fence that's being built by this old man who turns out to be the judge of this very small provincial town called Grady, which we'll get to the name of the Grady later. I think there's a connection there. And he um, basically it has to serve as their small town doctor for a certain number of days to get his car back and get his freedom back. Um, and so he becomes a small town doc. Now, I'm just gonna say one thing before I turn it over to you, Will, because I want to hear all your thoughts about it. But the first thing that stood out to me watching this movie from watching the first one, the first thing was the intro music. Like, I don't know <laughs> if you guys noticed, but there's intro music to this Doc Hollywood movie and it's fucking awful. It's just like this 80s, 90s, late early 90s, like garbage music, right? And then what it did is it makes you realize, it makes you realize how good, uh, how smart a decision it was in the hospital to not put in music. Like, I don't know if you noticed in the hospital, there's like no music in it. Maybe in the very no, beginning. No, the hospital, the, the hospital's known. There is no score. There's no there score. Is, there yeah. is, there is a little bit of um, some sounds when George C. Scott starts to piece together the mystery. Mm. There's a, li- mm. there are some sounds, but otherwise there is no, there is no score in, in the and, hospital. And that's probably why, that part of it ages so well like because the music in like doc hollywood is so 80s that it's like kind of jarring almost to us now but like 
so anyway, so I'll note that that's the thing I noticed. So anyways, it's it's so then basically the movie is him learning like the contrast of this fish out of water, this guy who is meant for bigger things, meant for big city life, now living and working in this small town in as a small town rural doctor. So so will t- tell me uh, t- yeah. tell me what, what it, I mean um well, watching it again now yeah. that you're in medicine because you watch it like me I'm assuming before you went to medical school watching it again what was it like um well I so they they one of the themes that they 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 really talk about a lot uh with is the motivation of Doc Hollywood of Michael J Fox and other doctors you know doing the whole uh uh you know we we do this we make all this money so that we can help the less fortunate yeah and and the the um uh justification for maybe having a little bit of greed so you can uh right. you know this is why this is really why we do it it's not really so much for the right. money trickle uh, down so, trickle down medicine so, yeah exactly and so that's i think that's what they were trying to do is kind of um uh is you know compare that side of medicine where you have you know, Doc Hollywood is going to LA to be with this, you know, plastic surgery, um, uh, group, uh, versus the wholesome, uh, very much selfless, uh, environment mm-hmm. of Grady, South Carolina. And, um, I think, uh, I mean, just immediately, I just, I love all of the characters in Grady, like yeah. all the, the little, the little, um, you know, the, the mechanic and the, the guy painting his fence who turns out to be the judge who has one of the best lines uh, whenever um, Doc Hollywood uh, runs through the fence that he's <laughs> painting uh, and he says, you can't reimburse me for a fence I built myself. <laughs> I, I love because, you know, Michael J. Fox is trying to, to pay off the guys saying, hey, right. I'm sorry, I busted up your fence. It's like, I built this thing. You can't reimburse me for that. Um, and uh and I also love another scene that I really loved right away is whenever uh, he he comes into the Grady Hospital for the first time and meets Nurse Packer. Uh, I love their relationship with each other. Uh, and um, the 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 picture of obviously Dr. Aurelius Hogue and his <laughs> his on call warning. So basically, so I wrote it down because I, I loved it so much. So that really Nurse set Packer- the. That that nurse packer relationship yeah. really set the stage for like Scrubs and every other like modern. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Nurse you see that time and time again. It's yeah. uh, it's it's great. And so when he comes in for the first time, he he just got sentenced to whatever it was. I think it was initially going to be like eighteen hours. Then he talked hours, back to the yeah. judge, mm-hmm. and he got like thirty-seven hours or something. So <laughs> so now he's stuck in Grady Hospital. He walks in. And um, he's asking about the who the other doctor is, and and Nurse Packer uh, says uh, points to a picture of Doctor Aurelius Hogue, this old crusty guy, uh, and the picture of Doctor Hogue, which looks great because he just looks miserable, he looks angry, <laughs> and it, it says the 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 poster says when to call me. You've been stabbed, shot, poisoned, separated from an appendage, knocked or beaten unconscious, run over by a tractor mower, or generally about to bleed to death. Otherwise, leave me alone. <laughs> so, okay. So the Dr. Ho character, okay. Let, let, let Just uh, focusing on him for a minute. One of my favorite scenes, the scene that stuck with me, like I, that I remembered from watching this as a child, was a scene in the movie where Michael J. Fox has uh, brought this child who is blue. He he thinks he's hypoxic, mm-hmm. although they never really clarify what his oxygen levels are. And then the the Michael J. Fox is like, 
I'm going to send this patient by ambulance to the hospital right now. Um, and he calls Dr. Hogue and he's like, get your fat ass over here right now. And then Dr. Hogue shows up in his car and like his pajamas. And he's like, just give the boy a fucking Coke. And he gives him a Coke and the boy gets better. Like yeah. that scene as a child, like talking about scenes that stuck with you. There's that in the pee scene in this movie, which we can talk about. Uh -huh. But that scene is the one that stuck with me the most. And I had to really think about it this time around. Like, do you... Did you catch that whole thing with Dr. Hogue in the blue? Because I think I figured it out. I, I don't think I really figured it out. All I what, what stuck with me with that scene was that uh, Dr. Benjamin Stone requested, Doc Hollywood uh, requested a helicopter at some point. Right. Uh, and, and it was just going to arrive. It was just going to happen. And, and he diagnosed <laughs> the kid with, uh, I guess, some sort of case of, of like a severe mitral regurgitation. Yeah, right, that was right. the reason that he needed to get the kid to the to to the hospital, Athens Hospital or whatever. But tell me, I, I'm I'd be interested to hear what you okay. think as like a real medicine like body doctor because um, yeah. So I, I this no was idea. a this was a weird one, and it, and I didn't figure it out for sure. I was like, what? Because when I was younger, I just watched it. I didn't know anything about medicine, but I thought about it like every now and then in my life, like maybe a couple times. Not like you know, movies have a big impact on us; they stay with us. And I thought about it and I was just like, what was that all about? And I never would have known unless you had me watch this movie again. So here's the, the premise of what's happening in that scene. The, this kid is eating his dad's tobacco chew and he's not supposed to. And it's making him really sick. And so because he's so sick, he gets some bismuth, which is Pepto-Bismol, basically. But they made their own Pepto-Bismol and they made something called bismuth nitrite. Um, which I don't think ever happens nowadays, but it's like a medicine that they somehow made on their own. I don't know the realism about that, but that can in fact turn you blue. That, that can turn your skin tone blue. I mean, has it ever really happened? I have no idea. I've never seen a case report about it, but that's what happened. And it, there was no mitral regurgitation. There was no murmur. And Dr. Hogue, like that guy, again, played by the same guy who plays the father in the first movie, the hospital. Uh -huh. He's like, did you hear a murmur? And and he's like, no, I didn't hear a murmur, but they can be hard to hear. And he's like, yeah, right here, give him a Coke. And that's the part that still confuses me, though. I don't understand really what it was about the Coke. Was it just that it made him burp and made him feel better? Or was it something about the carbonic acid that somehow counteracted it? And if so, how would that respond so quickly? Anyways, I went down to my, my brain had would just I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this last night trying to figure it out. And I don't know if I totally did. But there is at least some medicine there to that scene that kind of you can tease out a little bit. Regardless, um, according to Dr. Hogue, you know, Doc Hollywood didn't know crap from Crisco. So <laughs> yeah, it's a great line, too. You know, uh, <laughs> he was about to crack the chest open of a six year old for a, a, to cure a case of diarrhea. I don't know the medicine, and uh, I would say the medicine yeah, is a little a, bit better in in the hospital. hospital probably um, a little bit, yeah, how yeah. it's portrayed. Right, 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 um, right. <laughs> but right. you know, this, I think this, it might have, guys. I think it also might have been the same um, ambulance, like actually <laughs> from 1971, ended up in uh, in 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 Grady uh, 30 well, years later. We got to talk about Julia Warner, who plays yeah. uh, Vilula. Vilula, Vilula, right? Yeah. So, yeah, let's say Lou. Uh, Lou. Lou. Yeah, yeah. She goes. She goes by Lou. So uh, she's the ambulance driver. And uh, I agree. I love the ambulance. It does look like exactly the same ambulance, but yeah. I think I thought she it, was fantastic in this. Ecto movie. one. It's Ecto one, isn't it? I'm yep. assuming it's Ecto one. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I, I I loved her in this movie. Were and you? Did you remember the nudity? Like the I first did not scene she's remember introduced, the nudity. I didn't either. I, we must have watched it like some edited version because the first scene as she's introduced, she's totally topless. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we got everything for like a split second. It was it was. Uh, she's um a little shocking. She's very charming in this movie, but in terms of plotting a romantic comedy. It's a very strange choice that the meat cute is her skinny dipping right in front of his house. Right. Like presumably, exactly. presumably there's a lot of places and she chooses to skinny dip in front of the new doctor from the fancy big city. Right. In front of his house the first morning he's there. Right. But then she kind of tries to keep him at arm's length and it's just like, Wait, yeah. you're you're the one who showed up naked at his front door in the first scene. It's such a it's such an insane choice in right. terms of like plotting out right. the, the, the the sort of arc of the relationship that the yeah. starting point is like he walks outside his front door and like she's there stark right. naked. Right. She knew, and, she knew what she knew what she was doing. And they they make a got, point. She of, got him on the hook. Like she, that was at that point. It's a very interesting relationship, that one. But you're right. They make a clear point of, like, showing you the view of this whole, like, river. And there's, like, lots of places in this river. Yeah. She could be swimming, but she chose there. I, I also I want... thought, like, it's interesting, like, again, I really enjoy this movie. And I'm glad you picked it. And I was excited to rewatch it. I probably, I, I bet I hadn't seen it since. I, I remember seeing it when it first came out. And then I probably saw it on cable a few times, like, in the 90s and have not seen it since. But again, going back to their sort of romantic arc. He, so when she says uh, to Michael J. Fox, like, she's going to marry the other guy, I'll just marry the other guy, who she doesn't yeah. even like. Right. But Clearly. she says, well, at least he's here. Mm. It's, it's so crazy. Like, it, yeah. it's, 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 it's not even considered like, well, she could just not get married or wait to meet it, someone else. It's like, not it's, even consistent with her character, which her character, her whole thing is a, like, I'm like this smart, independent, free, like thinking woman. And like, why would she feel like I need to get married? Like that, that was sort of a weird anachronism with that character. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think also though, you know, very early on, we know that she is very motivated to stay there, right? I agree. Like, why does she have to get married? Yeah, definitely. Uh, other than the fact that it's a romantic comedy and she's got to end up with somebody. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Kave, to your point, I think like I always say a romantic comedy is only as good as the obstacles keeping the people apart. And it, mm -hmm. and while I really like Doc Hollywood and it, it is funny and charming and there's just yeah. a lot of great performances. Um, it it at times feels like um, plot mechanics are overriding sure. what these characters right. would actually say yeah. and do. Right. You're like, okay, well, it's it's uh, time for the plot to kick in. So even though it, it doesn't make sense that like, oh, she would just marry this other guy that yeah. she doesn't like and has said repeatedly she doesn't like. Well, I mean, Woody Harrelson is, uh, you know, uh, what do you guys think of his his role in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> he's great that, he's I always great <laughs> he is, he's always he always good right he's the, always good the scene where he confronts marty mcfly and he's like i why are you out on the boat with my woman um and he's like mad and then marty mcfly flies into a weird rage in that michael mm -hmm. keaton batman you want to get nuts let's get nuts sort of style he's like 
when he when he responds with, "Are you okay? What the fuck is wrong with you?" That was great. <laughs> I thought that was a great delivery. I thought he was. Can, can we talk about the the peeing scene? That's can, can okay. So for people who haven't seen it, there is a scene where they're driving around him and this woman who he's uh, you know falling madly in love with, and she notices that like uh, these hunters are like putting out sense to trap deer or something and uh she's like well we have to pee all over this place to make it so that the deers won't come here because they'll smell our pee and they won't come and somehow they do something that i'm not sure is possible which is like control streams of pee like pee a little bit here pinch it off go to another area pee there pinch it off can you guys do that this has troubled me since i saw this movie as a child because once i start peeing i'm peeing that's happening you know what i mean like can, is that how much what's pee? that what is that muscle that that controls your stream the the what's the sphincter called i don't know but yeah, uh, yeah. it's just very uh, stream control is you know it's very important i think they have they just do it different in rural communities yeah you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> they got I mean, that's just a control. skill you just you just develop <laughs> over the course of your life and um it's just very important clearly in grady south carolina so oh so you want to know my thoughts about the name grady by the way so the the guy who wrote this movie or it was based on a book it was based on a book by a doctor who had worked in uh atlanta and he worked at emory hospital but he'd also done some work with grady memorial hospital which is the public hospital of atlanta so I assume that's why they called the town Grady, mm -hmm. why it's Grady Memorial Hospital. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But can we get Michael J. Fox some uh, some clothes that fit him better? <laughs> like, I swear that was to God, the style. that guy's that never had a pair of pants that 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 fit him well. Can we can we also mention the fact that he chose what was it, the actress's name who plays the main uh, Julia Warner? She's great, but. Bridget Fonda is in this movie <laughs> and Bridget Fonda is throwing herself at Michael J. Fox. And listen, when I was young, I was really young. I think I watched this movie before I really had even an interest, you know, in the opposite yeah. sex. And I remember being like, I like that. What is going on there? Why is he not into that? That is amazing. Like she was amazing. I had such a crush on her growing up. Like the fact that like, he just, he just brushes her aside made no sense to me it took me out of the movie even as a child mm -hmm. and then she comes back later she comes and back later goes to it LA felt like to they couldn't to... it felt like they couldn't quite decide how much to use her as sort of yeah. like a potential romantic foil like they they were like like i i felt like i like i smelled rewrites where it was like there was a, a version where she was probably more prominently involved and then one were less and then sort of but it is a nice surprise when at lunch when she shows up in LA because mm -hmm. you're not expecting it to be her is yeah, actually yeah. kind that of a nice, a nice little, little twist. twist. I, that's a, it's a nice moment. And that scene in LA is great. Actually, I love, I love all of the LA stuff. And you mentioned when we were talking about the hospital, Kava, you mentioned the, the, um, the, the plastic surgeon and that's George Hamilton. Yeah. Who's known for, he, he, he was in a million things. He played mm -hmm. Zorro. He was in, um, he was in Godfather three. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he, um, hmm. He he did a million things, but he is so well cast as this doc, this this yeah. Beverly Hills doctor. And there's a there's like an enormous portrait of himself in every room, and it's just 
it's that office so funny that 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 plastic surgery office was one of my favorite parts of the the entire movie they got got the models in the background like moving around there's Uh, you can see their shadows just total just ridiculous and uh as far as uh uh, doc hollywood being a um a plastic surgeon so we know that he got he said he has eight years of higher education so i'm I'm guessing college and med Mm -hmm. school there you go Mm -hmm. one year of internship and one year out of residency one year in residency Mm -hmm. uh and so that's um and then somehow he's he's getting a job in uh, plastic LA surgery. As, as a plastic surgeon. <laughs> so the timing doesn't quite work out. It, that, where, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, they it, they it, could have very easily figured that out and made maybe made him a little bit older. Uh, yeah, but, well, you know, Michael J. Fox was thirty whenever he 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 filmed this, so he was pretty young. You know, you're right. It doesn't make a lot of sense because they're like, he's working in the ER. He tells her at one point, you know, I've been working 18 hour shifts years, yeah. in the ER for some, I'm like, that's not really what surgeons do <laughs> in your surgery residency, <laughs> you know, like it, that was it, a bit confusing. It's those, those types of things that kind of drive me crazy sometimes. In right. movies. It's like, it's like, cause that's, you know, the medical terminology and things like, you know, that's kind of harder, but like the timeline of being a doctor and like getting Simple jobs things. and it's, it's, that's very pretty easy to figure yeah. out. I don't know. So Michael, it's... you would never do that because I'm here whenever you have a question about those sorts of things. It's, I've got you and I've got Google and Wikipedia. <laughs> there you I'm go. Fine. That's all right. it takes. You, so much, much smarter than me. Also, I'll say for me something interesting. Cause I, I can't obviously speak with any expertise about the medicine. You know, um, it was interesting because the movie, the the filmmakers clearly couldn't decide just how much to make fun of rural America. Right. Because some more than a few people in the town are just so stupid. I mean, like somebody's (laughs) going to the doctor for like somebody's going to the doctor for dirty eyeglasses. It's like like you know, it, it just. There's there's a lot of like beats of how stupid these people are, and I and and I didn't remember the movie that well, and I was like, well, there's going to be like a big scene towards the end where it's like, you know what, like these these people actually aren't stupid. They're just, you know, they're they're smart in a different way or so like right, like right. redeem the people. Right. And right. it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't happen. I mean, they're they're like all nice people. They're 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 perfectly nice most of them, um, but it's not. Um, but like the movie sort of wavers with like how much it wants to sort of yeah. kind of crap on these people um, mm-hmm. and then doesn't redeem them in a way that you're like, it would, a movie like that wouldn't get made quite that way now anymore. Right. They try, it, I think they tried to redeem them a little bit with the squash festival, uh, right, you know, right. and, and seeing just, you know, how good of a community they are. And they're, right. They're but that somehow, felt more like, that felt yeah. more like, um, Hey, small town life has some benefits rather right. than like these specific people. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. like it's not like there's a beat where the person with the dirty eyeglasses is the person who fixes the car. And it's right. like, ah, okay. Like, right. you know what? Yeah. Like they were an idiot about this one thing, but figured something else out that nobody else could or whatever. Like I, it's a bad version, right. but like it, like it was just a, it, cause, cause by portraying so many of the people in the town that way, um, you're sort of tracking with Michael J. Fox more. You're like, oh, I got to get the hell out of this place. Right. 
um, which I guess maybe that was the reason they did it. But I don't know. No, I think I think they had jokes that they had to tell. I think that was it. They just had to take jokes. I mean, the one character I thought was sort of interesting in how they did it was the mayor, David Odgen Steers, I think. He's the guy from MASH who played like the the foil to like the two main characters of MASH. It was nice actually hearing him like do a different accent than that stodgy sort of like uh, Vassar, you know, accent he he had in, in Mash, but like his character was interesting, and I think I think they tried to show the town as like charming and cute. I think they did a pretty good job about that. In my head, of course, I was like, you know, how how charming would we find this town when we realize that they pretty much all voted for Trump? Like <laughs> this town definitely <laughs> went for Trump, <laughs> you know, like in Mash, like in an overwhelming landslide. Like, and then I, I was I like, how they charming a, do we find it? They have a very accomplished accordion player. Did yeah. you did you guys they were watching a silent film I saw with that. an accordion pe- player? That's that's uh that's but a pretty um you know culturally uh very adept community. Did you right notice there. the film that they were playing though? It was there, like it was the general, which is actually a, a brilliant, brilliant movie. Wasn't that a weird choice? What was that? Why? I mean <laughs> Well they're well, they were playing a silent film. So I think yeah. like I think it, to me it was an interesting commentary that um they were playing a, a you know th- this outdoor makeshift movie theater yeah. that was hearkening back to the old silent films the great mm-hmm. you know the buster keaton that, that there's something um as if we've lost something with recent movies in some ways mm-hmm. it was like almost a, a critique of itself by that choice like they weren't watching <laughs> they weren't they right. been, what would have been really wild is if they'd been watching the hospital <laughs> 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 or like i was thinking they might be watching like birth of a nation and i'd be like wait a minute there's really something going on no it does look a little dark. like that but it's actually it's buster keaton so. right right yeah um okay all right I, i've kept you guys for a long time we've gone way over oh my god this has been super fun i wish i could keep you guys here for a lot longer i i think in general i think both films uh are worth watching absolutely i think for the most part, they hold up pretty well. The Doc Hollywood, actually, with the exception of maybe some casual racism with the Pakistani character that's only mentioned yeah. briefly, and then the taxi cab, which I think for the time is just frankly actually probably progressive, given how bad things are in the 80s. I'm surprised the- they didn't tie that together, though. Like It I, felt like that was the guy from the right. letters. Like, I, I was waiting for there yeah. to be a payoff there. Right, right. They didn't. They didn't. It felt they like didn't. They, they missed that. If there's like a director's cut of this movie somewhere, it's like 11 minutes longer and it pays off the Pakistani cab driver. I'd like to see it. I'll go to the movie theaters for that. I absolutely will go to the movie theaters for that. But anyways, thank you guys. This has been so much fun. Um, One thing please. real quick that uh, I read about this movie it was kind of interesting is that it was it was during, I think during the filming of this movie when Michael J. Fox noticed a, a twitch of his pinky. Yeah, mm. uh, and and recognize or eventually that became you know his Parkinson's diagnosis. So I think it was either during this filming or right after it, um, hanging out with Woody Harrelson either on set or something that 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 first happened. So this was this was right at like the peak of his powers, and yeah. um, and right when that disease kind of started started kicking mm. in for him. So kind of interesting, uh, some of the background for this yeah. this movie. Mm. 
it's but, always um, funny to think about like the fact that they're like real people like day in day out working on those movies you know for yeah. us and like what's yeah. happening to them what's really like they have like these real lives happening during the filming of these movies but i always i always just love watching him i don't know i don't know what it is about <laughs> about you know michael j fox and movies yeah. and like spin city i remember watching him and and that and that show but Big you know, part so of our i'll mention um he's actually michael j fox is getting an honorary oscar uh was he really this year um oh, wow. at the uh governor's ball for the academy they're giving him a, an honorary oscar for for his uh for his, oh, his his work but also you know all all the important work he's done with parkinson's as well so yeah that's, that's awesome. great yeah no i mean we all i mean how can you not love the guy we literally yeah. he was like the main one of the top five figures of our childhood you know like him and reagan and like gorbachev and these like people that will be in always stuck in our heads of that of our childhood it's crazy um okay so let, let me let me get some plugs in honestly if you don't know these two people already i i mean i don't know what you're doing here but uh will please tell people where they can find you see your really fucking amazing and honestly funny and again not funny for a doctor like funny like honestly <laughs> funny you know funny material <laughs> you know where can they find that <laughs> So uh, you can find me on you know Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube, um, and as uh, Dr. Glockham Flecken. It just spell it like it sounds. It's easy, uh, and um, uh, yeah. So I, I post all my stuff over there. So I absolutely, you must do that. You have to watch it. He's, Thanks. you know, I you know I can tell. I can tell which of my family members and friends, close friends, actually listens to the show because like about once. A month, every other month, I get like a message or a text from someone being like, you gotta check out this guy, Glock and Flecken. He's amazing. <laughs> Have you heard of him? I'd be like- They don't know that I've been um, on the show before. Yeah, they're I'm like, <laughs> okay, you're clearly just not listening to this fucking show at all, at all. Funny. Anyways, uh, it, and, and Michael, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, please, you have something coming out soon, right? I do, I have a new movie, it's called Rosalind. Uh, starring Caitlin Deaver and Bradley Whitford and uh, Isabella Merced, Minnie Driver, wow. Christopher McDonald. We wow. have such a fun cast. And it's a um, a retelling, a uh, comedic retelling of Romeo and Juliet from the point of view of Romeo's ex, the uh, girl before Juliet, who's actually mentioned in the original Shakespearean right. play. Um, yeah. So we retell that story. Uh, from her point of view, she does not think it's the greatest love story of all time. And uh, <laughs> Caitlin Deaver, Caitlin Deaver plays Rosalind, um, and she's fantastic. And it'll be out on Hulu October fourteenth. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this one. So uh, the t the trailer just dropped last week, and uh, the movie is coming soon. Oh awesome. my god, I can't wait to watch it, man! It's yeah. a blast. Cool. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, if you liked uh, if you liked Clueless or uh, Ten Things I Hate About You or Shakespeare in Love, this is your kind of movie. Man, you haven't done something I don't like. And so I can't even imagine this not being Well, amazing. then you need to see more of my work. But that's, <laughs> that's a podcast for another time. All right. Thank you guys both so much for coming on. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. And I'm alive and I want to stay for the first time.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.